0: Welcome to Maximize Your Influence, your resource for the top persuasion, influence, and negotiation techniques that will help
1: you maximize your success in life and business. And now, here are your hosts, Kurt Mortensen and Steve Olson. Welcome, everybody, to Maximize Your Influence. Steve Olson here. <laughs> live into the studio is it that obvious that it was canned (laughs) cheering kurt you tell me
0: (laughs) oh well you know we can't reveal that
1: secret (laughs) (laughs) when you find out one of your favorite sitcoms has canned laughter it's never really quite the same is it
0: especially disney does it and here's the challenge is the scientific studies show that it works people like it more but once you've It's not below the radar anymore, and you can hear how fake it really is. It just drives you crazy. It does.
1: It does. And the funny trend lately, too, is you have those mockumentary shows, The Office and Parks and Recreation and all these other kind of shows where they don't do any laughter. It just thrives on the dry (laughs) sarcasm.
0: It's the dry. They're looking at the camera. It's just a whole different feel. Those shows have been doing well. Doing well. Yeah, they
1: have. They have. So um, here we are, episode 100. Listeners, you hung on with us for this long. We want to make it worth your time. We're willing to cut you a deal. That's right. right. Not something for nothing here, but a big part of what makes our show successful are good reviews on iTunes. So if you go to the iTunes store, you type in Maximize Your Influence, and you can leave a review. You just need to open up your browser on your computer, go type in Maximize Your Influence iTunes, and you'll see there... The review section, you can leave a review. You have to be signed in to your account. So, here's what we want you to do leave us a review. We like good reviews, but we'll take what you'll give us. <laughs> okay. We don't mm-hmm. think that you're listening to the show if you hate the show, uh, unless you're you were so insulted. You've made our insult list so many times over the last hundred episodes that you have some kind of vendetta against us, which you know, hey, credit to you. If we insult you all the time and you're still here, you deserve some free stuff. So, Type into uh, Google Maximize Your Influence iTunes and it'll come up and leave us a review. When you do that, we need you to email us at MaximizeYourInfluence at gmail.com. That's MaximizeYourInfluence at gmail.com and let us know, hey, my uh, iTunes screen name that showed up on the review is Billy Bob or whatever it is. You'll see it when you leave it or you just want to give us your name. That's fine too. And we can check. We will have our investigative staff verify the legitimacy of your review and we are going to send you the audios for edition two of kurt's best-selling book maximum influence on the house coming to you for free
0: on the house full-length audios you're probably talking 10 hours of audios good stuff second edition new research you will enjoy it so for helping us out we're going to help you out we are going to send that out to you but i have to say right now steve but wait there's what there's more there's more there's more. Well, Kurt, tell them There's what they tell, tell them. us more. So doing that, helping us out. And as we go past episode 100, we will give you a free coaching session to help you become a better closer, become a better presenter, become more persuasive. Want to walk you through a few things to help you out. And it'll be a big difference. I guarantee our time spent together, you'll see a big difference in your ability to persuade. So that's part of the package. We want to help you out. And that'll make a big difference in your ability to persuade That sounds
1: good. So leave the review, go to iTunes, leave a review about the show, what you like about it, uh, what it's helped you with. Then email us at maximizeyourinfluence at gmail.com. Let us know, hey, I left the review. My name is so-and-so. We'll check it. And then we'll get in touch with you to give you your free downloads to Maximum Influence and instructions on how to get your free coaching session with us and absolutely change your life. And I got to tell you, this is definitely for less than the cost of a Honda Civic. <laughs>
0: that it is. And that's our freebies. We've been promising freebies for episode 100. There you go. We'll make a huge difference in your year.
1: And you're Sounds good. There we have it. Shameless plug. Over with. The uh, stroking of our own egos for 100 episodes. Over with. Possibly. <laughs> it could come up again. Why don't we queue up the Urkel?
0: All right. Your favorite, Urkel. My favorite.
1: <laughs> An article from Development Psychology sounds like something you would read.
0: Yeah, I think that's on
1: my yeah, bookshelf. Yeah, it probably, probably is. So <laughs> an article from Development Psychology summarized through my favorite website, Newser, because I'm not going to pick up Development Psychology. I like how Newser.com just summarizes these things. If you have a disobedient kid, I know I do, Kurt, uh, I I believe you do as well. Some of the things you've told me lately. You oh know, yeah. I, We all get one of them. If you have more than one of them, you're going to get one of these. Well, a little bit encouraging for your retirement plan. The headline of the article is disobedient kids make more money as adults. Interesting. Mm. Yeah, it's, they told you, be yeah. good, go to school, uh, eat your vegetables, and life will go fine for you. Maybe not so much. So from the article, parents at their wits end over an unruly kid might take heart. The brat will probably grow up to earn more than his well-behaving peers, a new study in development psychology suggests. Researchers with the University of Luxembourg, University Illinois at Urbana-Champaign, and Free University of Berlin tracked data on 745 people in Luxembourg from ages 12 to 52 and discovered that those who defied authority as kids tended to have higher incomes as grown-ups. In scientists' speak, Rule-breaking and defiance of parental authority was the best non-cognitive predictor of higher income after accounting for IQ, parental socioeconomic status, and educational attainment, says the study. The occupational success was measured by the researchers using an index that ranks careers based on prestige and socioeconomic status. So there you go, Kurt. These kids think out of the box. Hmm. They're willing to negotiate harder. What are your thoughts?
0: Eh, That's interesting there. Thinking out of the box, if we can use that terminology, they're thinking for themselves. I think that goes back to the old college saying that I guess all the C students made up that all the A students will be working for the C students, right? You've heard that Uh, before. Well, yeah. My (laughs)
1: professor told it to me once. It made me very mad. Yeah.
0: Exactly. Like, oh, wait a minute. So there might be something there to where as far as just thinking differently, bigger picture. Yeah, there could be some truth to that. Not that we want to read that to our children yet. (laughs) But after they have gotten to college, maybe that's something that we can take a look at and have better hope that they're gonna make it happen.
1: I, I think you could read it to your children if obedience was your primary concern, because if you told them this, kinda of, hey, you know, you're gonna do better, they're just gonna to want to disobey. They're just not cooperative in their nature.
0: <laughs> yeah, maybe use it for a little reverse psychology might yeah, be helpful.
1: Yeah, just might that that seems to work like a charm on the disobedient kids. So if you've got a little <laughs> punk, you know, a brat as the article says. Uh, you might want to kiss up to them a little bit because they could become their retirement plan, right?
0: Yeah. <laughs> there you go. That's something I look forward to. Yeah. Once right.
1: again, very sound advice on the show. That's why, that's why you come to listen.
0: That's yeah. right. You can use that. It'll give you great hope for the future. Like, all right, there's my retirement <laughs> plan. I'm not sure about that plan. That's and so that's great. probably good yeah. because they're the kids that require the most effort. So they should be party retirement. That plan. should
1: be like a thing. You know, the, the biggest pain in the butt kid. They got to be the one to take care of mom and dad when they're elderly and sickly and, and broke, right? That's right. You got to pay the bill.
0: We'll just make that a standard thing and make it what Make it
1: so. It is now standard. Yes. <laughs> so. All right. Well, why don't we continue on with the show today? Episode 100, might I add. And we took some mm-hmm. uh, feedback that we've got from the listeners over the last well, it's like two years almost that we've been doing this show. We asked for some suggestions. These are people that have given us feedback and uh, sent us in questions. So if you want to take part in our quasi-democracy, you got to send in questions, right? I mean, if you if you just sit there and you don't know, send in questions or comments or anything, then we don't know you exist, really. I mean, that's got to be a, an insult, too. I mean, we don't even know you exist.
0: <laughs> so you've insulted people that don't even feel like they exist when they do exist, even though they're not existing. Yeah. I'll take not it. Not
1: saying, I'm not even sure you exist. That's like way worse than saying, hey, you're fat. You know what I mean? <laughs>
0: that's Right. That's the biggest of all. Reasons. I think
1: that it is. I think that it is. So <laughs> basically, I think we've kind of done around Robin here and said that if if you haven't sent us any feedback or questions in the show, you're just a terrible person that might not even be real. So,
0: <laughs> Yeah, we don't even know if you exist. It's just a fake download out of Iran. How are we how we're supposed to know? <laughs> Which,
1: well, we do have a lot of those fake downloads out of Iran.
0: I know. We're still trying to figure out why we're getting so many downloads out of Iran. But anyway, that's a whole nother <laughs> yes. issue. whole nother podcast. We'll figure we'll that figure out. We'll figure
1: that out. So... One of the main things that came back is listeners really like the concept of TESS. That's an acronym, TESS, T-E-S-S, because it's a good framework to design your speech, your presentation, your sales pitch, whatever you're doing. It's a good way to design it around TESS. So we want to go over what TESS is, and it's a good segue, too, because of inoculation that we talked about last week on episode 99. Inoculation has been talked about before on previous episodes, too, But if we've got these recurring objections that happen over and over again and that seem to be constantly sabotaging the sale, then we need to master this concept. Kurt, tell us about Tess. And I think you've got a pretty creative way of doing this too.
0: Yeah. And Tess is important because these are things we get time and time again in the podcast. The first thing is we tend to persuade others how we like to be persuaded, which we know is wrong. We have to adapt. As persuaders, as salespeople, whatever we do, we give presentations. And when we give presentations, we tend to present or pull the data that we like. We tend to present how we like to be presented to others. And we know that's completely wrong. You have to shoot down the middle and adapt yourself to the whole audience because you'll have different personalities in that audience. And we know that, Steve, doing seminars, it's always interesting to read the evaluations. One person will say, love the group exercises, met a lot of good people, but Kurt, you talked about the studies too much. And then the next one reads, Kurt, the studies were awesome. I learned a lot. We need more studies and less group exercises because we need the scientific background. And so that tells me what? (laughs) It was about right. And that's how you do it. You have to shoot down the middle. You can't present how you like to be presented to. You have to adapt. You have to resonate with the whole audience. That's why I came up with tests. And when you use this, when you implement this, and that's why we're bringing it back on episode 100 so you can really understand it, People love this formula because now you can resonate with the whole audience instead of the people that are like you. Because it's easy to resonate with people like you. But how do you resonate with people that are different? It's by using tests. So if you're not driving, make sure you're taking notes here. If you are driving, we'll have you just memorize it because this is important stuff as you give this presentation. The first one, let me go through the test, and I'll give you a little example here. The first T is testimonial. This could be your testimonial. It could be from somebody else that's considered an expert in the industry. It could be someone that's endorsing you or referring you. Basically here, you're borrowing credibility from somebody else. You are showing them how it's affected your life. It's your own personal testimonial. We see this on infomercials all the time. It could be a getting referral from somebody else, an endorsement from somebody else, or maybe an, an industry expert that says, hey, this is what we need to be doing. That's the first one. The second one is an example. That could be a metaphor, a simile, or some type of example. You we say, well, you know, this is like this, because that's how our brain works. We like that better. In fact, when I was doing research for laws of charisma, it was amazing how many charismatic leaders used more metaphors, more similes, more examples than the average person, because it resonates with people. It simplifies what you're saying. That's number two. Number three is a statistic. Now, If you've ever taken statistics, you know you can cook the books. People can make things up. But for your analytical type personalities, you need a great statistic that's verifiable, that's believable. We always tell the truth, but the truth isn't always believable. Make sure it's believable and that you can say, hey, this study shows or Stanford study shows where it's coming from. Statistics are a powerful thing, especially for an analytical type personality. And the fourth and the most important is a story. Great persuaders, great salespeople, they sell with stories. And this is important because not only do they simplify complex ideas, not only do they grab attention, but here's the thing that's the most important is stories persuade without detection. I repeat that. Stories persuade without detection. People just get absorbed. It grabs their attention. They put themselves in the situation. You can tell them what to do. But if you tell them in a story, they put themselves in a the situation they're going to persuade themselves. In realize they need to do what you're asking them to do. So to repeat, test is a testimonial, an example, a statistic, and a story.
1: So you've got a way to really drive this home.
0: I do. Let me give an example here of something that will help us all on the personal development level. And it's something we all tend to cringe and moan about. It's about goals and goal setting. So... As you're listening to this podcast, as you're driving down the car, everyone moan for me like, oh, yeah, we've heard that before. No, but every the
1: boo button. Yeah,
0: get off, get off of here. There we go. What There's the famous boo button we're going to bring in. We'll be more booing, more insulting as the next 100 episodes unfold. But that's the thing a goal setting is an interesting thing. So I'm going to go through that and I'm going to attempt to persuade you, which we talked about last week. You would never say, because as the opposite effect, but since we're talking about persuasion, we're going to say that I'm going to go through that. And I want you to pick the one thing, whether it's the testimonial, the example, the statistic or the story, which one resonates with you the most, right? Which one caused you to think, you know, maybe I should do a little bit better with my goals. So here's the example that I'm going to use. Now, every book on success talks about goals. We hear it from every personal development speaker. We know it works, but we cringe sometimes because sometimes we tried it. it didn't work. Sometimes we're more accountable. So a lot of people don't even set goals because they don't want to fail, but they will be a failure because they have no goals. That's a whole nother scenario. But it's interesting. If you've ever studied success, you've heard the name of Brian Tracy. He's one of my early mentors. He talks a lot about goals. That's where I really learned about goals and the impact goals have on our success. He has written probably 40, 50 books, and every book will talk about goals and goal settings. And he said some things that are really interesting. He says, goals will triple your commitment level. Goals are the major reason we're happy in life. Because think about it, when you were really happy, you were probably pursuing a worthwhile, exciting goals. He says, goals are the most important thing you need to do to be more successful. That's Brian Tracy, and it's really important. But as I researched goals and looked at other people, I realized that Most people have never been taught how to set goals. It's, for example, if you wanted to learn how to go snow skiing and you got there and you rented your skis and you got your little ski pass and someone says, well, hey, you've never been before. Let me give you some lessons. You're like, I don't need lessons. How hard can it be? Right. I'll I'll figure it out on my own. And so you get on the chairlift. You're not thinking about it. You're not sure where to get off. You've never been snow skiing before. The little black diamond comes up. And for those who don't know, that means it's the advanced course. So you get off on the black diamond, not knowing what it is. You start skiing down the hill. You pick up speed. You're going to hit a tree, break your leg, and you're probably going to say something like this. Well, that's a terrible sport, and I'm never going to do it again. I would
1: say it a little differently (laughs) than that, but I see your point. You
0: would probably pepper that with a little more four-letter words, but that's a whole other story. But anyway, you're upset. You've given up. You're never going to do it again. That's what most people have done with goals. And it's interesting, when you look at the statistics and the studies, the university studies show that about 3% of the people put their goals in writing. And that's about standard. It's always around 3 to 5%. And they follow these people for 10, 20 years, and after 20 years, people that put their goals in writing. Because it has to be in writing. If it's just in your brain, it's just a wish. When it's in writing, not only does it triple your commitment level, like Brian Tracy says... These people are earning 10 times more than those who didn't have their goals in writing. We know it works. We've seen it time and time again. Every study shows that. But the thing is, again, most people don't know. So let me give you the formula on how to set your goals so you know how to do it. And write this one down. So the first one is what most people do is the what. What is your goal? Right? Write it down. The second one is the when. You have to have a deadline. Right. When are you going to accomplish? Is it six months, two months, one month, one week, one year? Have to have a deadline. So we've got the what, the when, and the third one is the how. You know, What is your game plan? Who are you going to mentor with? Who are you going to coach with? What are you going to read? What podcasts are you going to listen to? I mean, what do you really need to learn to do? That's the how. So what, when, how. And the fourth one, the most important one, is the why. Why do you want to do that? What are the reasons behind your goals? Why are you working so hard? What are those emotional things Why are you doing it emotionally is the why. That's what most people tend to forget. I'm telling you right now, the why is more important than anything else. Let me give you a little story here. I worked with a gentleman named Dan Jansen. He held the world record in the oval track, kind of like Apollo Ono. I think there's the the 500 meter and the 1,000 meters. He had different levels. And he held the world record in the 500 meter. He was the best. He went to his first Olympics. He was America's boy. He was going to win it all. And he didn't place. I'm like, oh, well, So he trained for another four years because he had a goal to get this gold medal. And he got cut off in the medal round, didn't place. Trained for another four years. And his sister was diagnosed with cancer, tragedy in the family, his brain wasn't in it, no medal. Trained for another four years. And if you're doing the math, you know that 16 years he was getting to hold last Olympics. He held the world record still. He was the best, but he couldn't get this gold medal in the Olympics. So he went, and he qualified for the medal round, and somebody cut him off. They both slipped and fell, disqualified. No medal. Last Olympics, he was devastated. But something interesting happened. He also qualified for the 1,000 meters, which was not his best event. didn't hold any world records, but he qualified for the medal round, and it was one of those incredible moments in Olympic history where he won the gold medal, Did a victory lap with his newborn daughter. Everybody was crying. Everybody was cheering. He had finally done it. After 16 years, he got a gold medal. And we thought about it. And we sat down with him. We said, Dan, how did you do this? Most people can't get out of bed in the morning. You stuck to a goal for 16 years. What is your secret? And he thought about it. And he put his hand on his chin. he says, you know what? When I was younger, I had a wise coach that sat me down and made me list all the reasons why I wanted that gold medal. For me, for my family, and financially, so I'd practice six hours a day, six days a week. And it's no secret that every day after four or five hours, I was cold, I was hungry, I was tired. I wanted to give up. I wanted to go home. And when I felt that way, I'd pull that list of reasons out of my speed suit, and I'd find one that would get me back in the game. Because people don't fail because of lack of goals necessarily. It's the lack of reasons behind those goals. So I promise you, you put your goals in writing, you follow this formula, you'll see increased happiness, you'll see more success, and you'll also see an increase in your income. All right, so time out here. So here are the four. Let's review these. And I want you to pick the one in your brain that resonated with you the most. The testimonial was Brian Tracy. The example was the snow skiing. The statistic was a universal study about earning 10 times more. And, of course, the story was Dan Jansen. So when you think about it, which one resonated with you the most? Now, I'm not hearing your voices, obviously, because this is a recorded podcast, but if you want to know the numbers, about half of you, it resonated with the story. It's always fifty to sixty percent. The next one is going to be the example. Then it's going to go between the statistic and the testimonial. Now, if you've never heard of Brian Tracy before, maybe that didn't resonate with you, but those of you who have read Brian Tracy, that might have been the thing, and that will be the rest of the people. Every audience I've ever taught, I have them raise their hand when we've done the research. It always divides between all four of those. You'll always get somebody that resonates with one of those, usually more, but they're getting the most important ones to store. You implement that, you'll resonate with everybody in your audience, and you'll see a huge difference in your persuasive presentations.
1: What's funny about that is you almost forget that you're being pitched about goal setting, right?
0: (laughs) That's the point. That's why it's so important because different things will resonate with you. You get into it. And that's why the story is so powerful, because it persuades without detection. All of a sudden, you realize how important it is.
1: Yeah, so you can structure your presentation around this. You got to hit the testimonial, the example, the story, the statistic, salt it all through there. You don't have to do it front to back like Kurt just did. It can. It works. But if you put it in there, you're going to touch on everybody's uh, language on how they like to be talked to, how they like to process persuasive information, and it's going to be a a heck of a lot more effective for you. It's a great technique and something that you can totally fall back on if you're not using it already.
0: Yeah, exactly. I don't care what order you do it, but within your presentation and structure is a whole nother thing as far as intro and conclusion, a few other things. But within that, you include tests, you'll see amazing things happen as far as more people listening, more people resonating with you and being more persuasive, especially when you're talking to more then three, four, five people. You've got to shoot down the middle. You've got to include this so you can persuade people. You can present to people how they want to be presented yeah. to.
1: Yeah, that's good stuff. Anything else before we move on to the rest of the show?
0: Just one other thing is the most important one is story. It's always 50 to 60% of the audience. And we've talked about stories. Go research our podcast archives. But remember with stories, if you don't have a great story, borrow a story. But stories are critical for your ability to be a great persuader.
1: Excellent, excellent. Well, why don't we cue up the Homer? All right, Homer, go! Don't, don't, don't! <laughs> there he is. And this is actually we took a, a vote amongst those who have sent us comments and and questions and things. And thank you to those that responded, and those of you that uh, didn't, you know, we're questioning your existence as we talked about earlier. But uh, we wanted to get an idea for what the worst blunder was for the whole year. But there's some pretty good ones in here. Just given what the stakes are, though, Kurt's blunder aboard Delta Airlines that we're going to (laughs) have him rehash, I think it's tough to argue with.
0: Yeah, this one is up there, and it's Delta. I love Delta. We know we fly Delta. They're not perfect. No airline is perfect. And this was a, we'll call it a pilot error. Now, as you've hopefully listened to all 100 episodes, you know I'm a big believer in verbal packaging. The words you use, every word will attract or repel people. Pilots go to training on the words they use, the videos they show you. They are careful with every word. So this pilot comes on and says, okay, ladies and gentlemen, we have good news and bad news. So we're having some mechanical difficulties. That's the bad news. Now, notice he didn't say the plane was broke. That's how they're trained. Uh plane's broke. You know, his mechanical difficulty. So he gets a few points for that. So that was the right verbal packaging, the right word choice. Then he says, the good news is the ground crew has found the manual and they're attempting to fix it now. <laughs> <laughs> so that, as you know, freaked out the whole plane. There's a lot of challenges with that. First, attempting is not the most persuasive, powerful word. Yeah, can yeah. Use. <laughs> Right, It's like, yeah, they're going to try. We'll, we'll know in the air if it's fixed or not. I mean, that's not something that you want to hear. And the second thing, they found the manual. They are using a manual. <laughs> these people don't know just from their brain how to fix these things. They're going by a manual. I can do that. I can go to YouTube and fix a plane probably, but I'm not sure that's what the other passengers want. And so that was kind of a double blunder. Even though it was a good part of it, the double blunder, panic on the plane, people wanted to leave the plane. It was a mass hysteria, weird things happening just because of the words this pilot.
1: Used. We like the sausage. We don't want to see how it's made, right?
0: Exactly. Yeah. Don't tell us, especially on things like flying or or certain foods, like you mentioned. We just don't. Yeah, want to. you know,
1: there's a manual down there somewhere. Actually, there better be, right? You want to know that there's a uniform way way to fix this stuff but you know you want to have the image in your, of your mind of the mechanics down there he's on staff he knows every nook and cranny of the airplane knows what's got to be done you know he's not uh thumbing through a manual going oh geez how do you do a fuel pump on one of these you know
0: that's right you want the guy who's done it a hundred times can do it in his sleep that makes you feel a lot better yeah
1: you know that makes me want to co-nominate another blunder of the first hundred episodes Because it's the same thing. I think we would put airline pilots and doctors right there together, (laughs) right? Where they're handling life or death stuff, right? The screw-up room for a pilot is very minimal. My wife was uh, in for a a doctor appointment and asked about a certain condition that uh, can come from a certain kind of antibiotic. And uh, if you remember, listeners, the doctor proceeded to Google it uh, right in front of my wife. So that's not good.
0: That's not good. You're like, hello, didn't you go to school? And you know they're kind of doing that in the back room, looking things up, but right in front of you. At least they have like, sir, sort of, should have something like Moogle for medical professionals, but they're using Google. I can do
1: yeah, that. Yeah, yeah, we can all Google. It's a, you want the. I've consulted with some of my specialist friends at the Mayo Clinic, and we all agree that such yeah. and and hey, you know what? If it's Google, whatever. But uh, yeah, get some verbal packaging and still some confidence here.
0: Yeah, when they go to Google and say, "Hey, I found it on Wikipedia." You know, whoa, whoa, whoa. Red flag. Come on, buddy. Yes.
1: Yes. <laughs> Come on. As Michael Scott from the office says about Wikipedia, anyone can put information on there, so you know you're getting the best information. <laughs>
0: that's right. The best yes, available. Yes, best available. Because anybody can do it and it's on the internet, so it must Yeah.
1: Be good. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so that's good. That's our nominations for the the blunder of the first 100 episodes. We have a nomination for the ninja of the first 100 episodes. Cue up the kung fu slash ninja slash taekwondo slash Krav Maga sound that we have.
0: All right, ninja sound, go!
1: (laughs) There we go. It makes all martial arts ambiguous, but uh, we're, we're trying to convey a ninja. Somebody who is just very effective, you know, comes and goes. You don't even know what's been done. A persuasion ninja. How in the world... Could we possibly have the same person guilty or the same company, guilty of the blunder, also be nominated for the Ninja? Well, I'm about to tell you. Uh, Delta Airlines, Kurt and I both fly them a lot. We live in a hub for Delta Airlines, so we're on those planes a lot. And any airline that you've flown over the last little while, you've noticed they all got to give that uh, safety presentation mandated by the FAA right? Tell you how to use a life vest. Do you think about that scene in Tommy Boy and you laugh and and all that stuff? Well, Delta has done a fantastic job actually getting people to be excited to pay attention to the safety presentation. And actually, I think in general, instilling a, a decent mood where possible in the passengers before an experience that's becoming increasingly unpleasant, which is flying. If you're in coach, you're in a flying sardine can, At least that's what they make you feel like, right? So this uh, safety video, they've taken all kinds of references to pop culture and stuff like that and instilled them throughout the safety video. And it's a kind of sarcastic, get really funny type of a video. And I've just watched. I make a habit of watching the people around me. Everybody's paying attention. And if they're not, they might be looking at their phone, but they're laughing. They're listening to the safety presentation. When was the last time you saw that on an airline? I think it's a, a good way... Where in many of our businesses that we're involved in, we've got this bureaucratic regulatory stuff that, uh, like it or not, we put up with it as business owners and as persuaders. We got to deal with it. And it's not exactly conducive to the sales and persuasion process, is it, Kurt? <laughs> this, uh, nope. yeah, this uh, kind of stuff we have to do. So I think Delta has made the best of both worlds and uh, they've really been very effective at that. And we've had a few people comment on it. I think they probably have seen the video too. And agree. It's just such a, a better experience for that now.
0: I agree. They're following the trend that it's edutainment. If you're going to educate someone, it has to be entertaining. You have to have a reason to listen. And they've done a good job to bring people are actually enjoying watching the video that used to make us cringe. And people are having a good time and they're learning. Everyone's happy. Kudos to them. Exactly.
1: They worked Charlie bit my finger into their safety presentation episode. <laughs> so. all right that's it everybody let me remind you go to maximize your influence uh, well google it rather maximize your influence uh, iTunes and leave us a review and once you've done that email us at maximize at gmail.com and there you can see or you can tell us what kind of review you left what your name was so we can go back and check it and we're going to send you the audios to Maximum Influence Kurt's best selling book uh, the second edition with new studies and new insights and everything as well as give you a free coaching session about your business or what you're doing and give you some uh, some pointers that are definitely going to help. Totally, 100% customized to you. It's not going to be a bunch of people on the call. It's you and us, and that's it. So we need you to Google Maximize Your Influence iTunes and leave us a review, and we'll get back in touch with you after you email us at MaximizeYourInfluence at gmail.com. There you go, Kurt
0: episode 100 thanks everyone for listening thanks for your comments and everything that you do episode 100 we look forward to the next one all right
1: sounds good everybody we'll catch you next week
0: see you next week